Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane. Did you miss me? Probably not, because I have been uploading even while I was sick. But, um, yeah, this uh, last week has been a doozy. The worst I have ever felt. But I'm back. I'm ready. And I'm very, very hyper at the moment for some reason. But, you know. Um, let me tell you what happened. Um, it all started with a sunburn. <laughs> and I'm really pale, so I turn into a lobster whenever I sunburn. And then my skin just decided to revolt against me. And I ended up having problems with my skin. One thing after another. And then my husband was sick with a sinus infection. And it hit me really hard. Um, to the point where, um, when I, you know, tried to go to sleep, it would be hard for me to sleep because it was that bad. Um, my throat was swollen and cough attacks all the time. Um, I couldn't do much and I hated it and it lasted for a week. It was bad. Like it, and apparently in my hometown in Ohio, um, stuff like that has been happening like people have been you know it's been going around so I ended up catching it and um good god it was annoying um I'm the type of person that uh if I'm sick and I have plans I'm gonna do my best to tough it out and um if I physically cannot do it then I then I'll have to like you know, draw a white flag and just be like, listen, mm -mm, nope, no more. Um, I was working while I had that uh, sinus infection as well, because I just, I just don't like sitting down and resting, especially when I feel that way. But um, yeah, uh, but I'm back. Let's just get into it. It's a Renegade Time segment. Let's go. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, as always, links will be down in the description below on how to contact me. Yes. Do that. Say hi to me. I'm bored. Also, my good friend Bo Vincent is on Apple Podcasts with his podcast called The Conviction of a Leader. The trailer is out right now. Um, I'm not sure when he'll update, but absolutely go check it out. I'm going to play the um, trailer for you right now. Hopefully he don't mind. Work. The definition of conviction is a firmly held belief. Leadership looks different for each person, but every leader has strong convictions that pave the way for how they guide their people. Whether you're an experienced leader, a current leader, a novice leader, or a soon-to-be leader, this podcast is a must for you. Through this show, we will hear leaders share their convictions, the struggles they face, and the challenges 
they have overcome by staying true to their convictions. Leadership, it can be hard and it can be lonely. My goal is to connect you with leaders who have walked that journey and want to show others the way. This is Bo Vincent, and you're listening to The Conviction of a Leader. So there you have it. The Conviction of a Leader will be out soon, hopefully. Um, That's amazing. I'm so proud of him. He's going to do great things on the podcast community. So um, I want to send everybody over there to love on him. So please go and do it. Please. Okay. Before I get into this episode, I just want to talk real quick about something um, I it is going to be directed a little bit or mostly um, towards the LGBTQ because of the things that I've said before um, I also just kind of want to direct it to people who may have gotten offended by my words in general I'm a very passionate person so when I talk about the toxicity of the world I'm very passionate And I speak against that passionately. And I know sometimes my passion gets mistaken for anger and hatred. And please don't think that I hate anybody at all in general, especially people in the LGBTQ community. There are toxic people in every community. The LGBTQ has toxic people. The Christian community The churches have toxic people. The BLM movement has toxic people. And at the same time, there are good people in those communities and other communities that I haven't mentioned. And please don't think that I am not going to welcome someone who is um, part of the LGBTQ or who is transgender, bisexual, homosexual. Um, Please don't think that I'm not here for you. Please don't think that I'm not here to love on you because I am. Um, Because of the content that I make, most of the time it's directed towards people who are toxic who need to be called out. And, but any good person that has gotten offended by my words in any community, especially the LGBTQ community, I am very sorry. Um, I am learning to love people every day over and over and over again. Um, Having the job that I do have, I learn to love people from every walk of life. And um, it's kind of hard when you have this one mindset to where, oh, this type of person I shouldn't be talking to, but when you sit down and talk to them, you realize that you don't know everything, and I definitely don't know everything, and I never will ever admit that I do. Um, But I have talked to a few people from the LGBTQ community that have kind of enlightened me about, you know, what people go through in that community, and it's not that I didn't know that 
people in the LGBT community have trauma, have traumatic pasts because of uh, who they believe that they are and everything. Um, it's the fact that I never really sat down and talked to somebody and had a deep, deep conversation um, with someone that um, is completely different from me. Um, and I just want to say I'm sorry to anybody in the LGBTQ that I have offended. Um, and I'm saying this just in case because I don't want to um, ever have anybody feel unloved or unwelcome on my channel or on my podcast community. Um, I love you regardless of anything, any walk of life. I love my listeners and the fact the, the, the fact of the possibility of me hurting someone's feelings who have listened to me for so long, it hurts me too. <clears throat> and I just want to say, if you're part of the LGBTQ and you're a good person, I don't have any problem with you. I love you. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you. If you're a toxic person from the LGBTQ, I don't want to have a conversation with you. Because most of the time when people are toxic, that toxicity seeps through the other person that is listening. And sometimes I guess I feel like I'm that toxic person when it comes to my words because I can be pretty harsh. And like I said, I'm very sorry if I offended anybody in general, mostly from the gay community. If I offended you in any way, I'm wholeheartedly sorry. Um, I just have a lot of passion and I've come out of a life where I have been silenced for so long in my life. And I'm not making excuses, this is the whole truth. Um, <clears throat> I came from a family where I was seen and never heard. And um, even my passion was watered down by the people around me and I don't want that to ever happen again but that also doesn't give me the right to demonize people who don't deserve it so if you felt demonized or offended or hurt by my words I'm so sorry I'm still finding my own way and my own way of speaking I'm still trying to find my own voice and in that process if I do hurt you please come and talk to me. If I offend you, please talk to me. Let me know. I am always open for correction. I am always open for a conversation that is new, that is different. In order for me to understand the person on the other side of the fence. Um, <clears throat> I know most of the time, all of my episodes are just me talking. Um, and... I understand that can be pretty boring to have a one-sided con one conversation. Um, but I just want to say, you know, I'm sorry. 
I'm still trying to find my voice. So, I welcome anybody who is different. I do. I may have a different opinion, I may have a different view or belief, but Rogue Radio is a place where everybody can express their opinions, especially those who feel hurt by my words at all. So, I just wanted to say that before we got into it. I love people, despite how harsh my voice is. Alright, first things first. The Georgia Guidestones decided to blow up suddenly, out of nowhere. I think it was like in the dead of night. I'm just saying, God probably did that. Because it, if you guys don't know what the Georgia Guidestones is or are, I don't know what the correct English term is with that. Um, the Georgia Guidestones was a granite monument that stood in Elbert County, Georgia, um, in the United States from 1980 to 2022. It was 19 feet 3 inches tall and made from six granite slabs weighing a total of 237 746 pounds the structure was uh, sometimes referred to as an American Stonehenge the creators of the monument wanted the monument to serve a guide for humanity afterward Um, though initially Uh, Garning little controversy, they ultimately became the subject of conspiracy theories alleging a connection to Satanism. Um, I should say so, you know. Those uh, deep core Satanists, they love to kill people. Um, In the morning of July 6, 2022, the Guidestones were heavily damaged in a bombing and were later dismantled on the same day oh my god somebody tried to bomb the monument i thought for sure it was just it just blew up like it you know how spontaneous combustion happens spontaneous explosion just happened but mm, me and my naive ass uh Someone actually bombed it. Someone actually took a bomb to that thing. Oh, you're my hero, whoever you are. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, um, basically what the guidestones say is it's a guide to population reduction. And um, they say about 500 million people should live on the earth and the rest of them should die in order to protect the balance of life. And I can't believe that it has um, been so... I I can't believe it's been erect (laughs) uh, for so long without people actually retaliating until, like, now. Somebody retaliated. Uh, Never mind. It's been graffitied before. Um, In 2008, the stones were defaced with polyurethane paint and graffiti 
with slogans such as death to the new world order hell yeah okay um wired magazine called the defacement the first serious act of vandalism in the guidestones history so there were people that did react negatively to this um in september 2014 in an employee of the albert county maintenance department contacted the federal bureau of investigation when the stones were vandalized with graffiti including a phrase I am Isis, goddess of love? What the heck? Um, after the acts of vandalism, uh, security cameras were installed on the site. So, okay, if security cameras were installed on the site, I want to know who bombed it. I want to know who blew up the guide stones. That's crazy. Candace, oh, sorry, hang on. Candace Taylor, a candidate for the 2022 Georgia Republican um, Goober National Primary? Is that a thing? When I hear Goober National, I hear, I'm a goofy <laughs> Ignore me! I'm just goofy today. She claimed in a campaign ad that the Guidestones were satanic and her campaign platform called for the monument to be removed. Yes, I would say that that is satanic, but um, the inscription says um, a message consisting of a set of ten guidelines or principles was engraved on the Georgia Guidestones in eight different languages. One language on each face of the four large upright stones moving clockwise around the um, from due north, these languages are English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, and Arabic, traditional Chinese and Russian. Um, the languages were chosen because uh, they represented the most of humanity, while Hebrew was chosen because of its connections to Judaism and Christianity. Oh yeah, they slap Hebrew on it and call it Christian. That's nice. Stop doing that. That this is holy satanic. This is bad. Don't put, don't slap Hebrew language on it to make it look better. I, <clears throat> according to the monument's sp sponsors, the um, inscriptions were meant to guide humanity to conserve nature and after a nuclear war, uh, which the creators thought was an imminent threat. The inscription read, maintain humanity under 500 million in uh perpetual balance with nature. Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Um, unite humanity with new, with living new language, with a living new language. Uh, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempted, tempered reason. Um, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court. Um, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Uh, balance personal rights and social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love. Uh, seeking harmony with the infinite. Uh, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Okay. Um, so, yeah. 
That's that's what that is. And um, I don't know. Uh, I kind of feel like those are just beautiful words that say Satanist, but I don't know. I don't really know much about the reason why the Guidestones were there. I do know, of course, what I just read. It's kind of a rule book or a rule slab. Um, oh my God, it's the Mach 10 Commandments. Why didn't I just, why did I just think of that? Somebody decided to just write their own Ten Commandments. Listen, I... I wasn't... I wasn't even thinking that until I realized that there were ten rules. And I'm like, hmm. Someone wrote their own Ten Commandments and decided, hey, this is better than what... Mo than what Moses wrote. And so they decided... Listen, stop doing that. That's awful. Um, okay, we're gonna go to the next story before I end up saying something that I regret. Anyway, let's go. Tell me why Boris Johnson kind of looks like the knockoff version of Steve Moffat, the fifth doctor from Doctor Who. Like... Tell me that he don't look like Stephen Moffat. Oh my goodness. The only difference is that Stephen Moffat's really great. And I don't know, Boris. I don't really know a lot about uh, British government stuff. So I'm not really going to say much about Boris Johnson. Because I don't know. But anyway. <clears throat> great Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson will resign after scores of government ministers had quit or had quit and advised him to quit as well. Okay. On Wednesday, Johnson, uh, the head of Great Britain's Conservative Party, Tory Party, met with uh, Chancellor Nadim Zahawi, uh, whom Johnson had appointed only on Tuesday after the predecessor, uh, Rishi Sunak, had stepped down. Um, Zahawi told Johnson... Uh, that his situation was not sustainable. He was echoed uh, by Education Secretary Michelle Donnellan, um, who also had been appointed in the previous 36 hours. 52 government ministers have resigned. What did y'all do? What did you guys do? Please tell me that there is a freaking ex uh, explanation with this. Um, a Downing Street source said Johnson has spoken to Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of the uh, parliamentary group, uh, the 1922 committee, and agreed to stand down with a new conservative leader set to be in place by the party conference in October, the Daily Mail reported. Uh, two uh, possibilities exist. Uh, Johnson may stay in office until a new leader is chosen or he may step down from the position. Speculation has arisen that uh, former Prime Minister Theresa May uh, <coughs> could serve as a temporary replacement until a successor uh, is chosen. Johnson's downfall was catalyzed by reports that he and his friends in government had held parties during the lockdowns and posed on the citizenry um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, um, 
I think Britain had had it really bad with the lockdown because it lasted a whole lot longer than what America went through and like the certain states that, you know, the time frame, like with, you know, uh, me and Terrence when we um, kind of went under quarantine in Ohio, we um, ended up staying in quarantine for maybe a few months. I can't remember how long, but it felt like a few months. And um, after that, I mean, we were still allowed to go and get what we needed and stuff like that, but we weren't allowed to socialize with other people and everything like that. And it it sucked. Um, But well after the quarantine was lifted uh, in America, the UK was still going through it. Like, they were still going through so much. And I, I'm not condoning the Prime Minister's actions, but cabin fever sets in pretty quick. And, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he should have held parties, but I don't know. That one's terrible. Uh, Stadonalyn announced that she was quitting on Thursday morning two hours earlier. Northern Ireland Secretary Brandon Lewis had made the same announcement, followed by Treasury Minister Helen Wheatley, or Waitley, uh, who stated, there are, all, there are only so many times you can apologize and move on. What's going on? I think I'm out of the loop. If I, after I read this, I'm going to try and find, like, the reason why all of these people are stepping down. But their their resignations were followed by those of Security uh, Minister Demain Hines, Science Minister George Freeman, and uh, Pensions Minister Guy Opperman. Attorney General Suella Braverman urged Johnson to resign. If Johnson called for a dissolution of Parliament and new elections in the attempt to survive, Queen Elizabeth could refuse to could refuse his request based on the uh, LaSalle's principles, which say she can refuse if Parliament is vital, viable, and capable of doing its job. Um, as a new election would be detrimental to the national economy, um, or if she can determine another prime minister who could govern for a reasonable period with a working majority. Conservative parties' senior members um, think all three of those um, prerequisites are met. Johnson, the former mayor of London um, and a champion of Brexit, uh, came to power after he quit his May's foreign secretary uh, in 2018. Uh, I said that wrong. He quit as May's foreign secretary. Um, let's see here. She had championed a third-day Brexit plan. They failed to succeed with 
her Brexit deal in Parliament three times, uh, then resigned in July 2019. Johnson won a crushing victory in July 2019 to become the leader of the Tory party and um, subsequently the Prime Minister, although the Tories were uh, in the minority. Johnson called for new elections, which were held on December 12, 2019, preaching the Brexit, uh, preaching get Brexit done. Um, the Tories won 365 seats, the biggest conservative majority since Margaret Thatcher's resign. Uh, during Johnson's reign, the nation's rollout of the COVID vaccine was one of the fastest in the world. By October 2021, over 40 million Brits, around 85% of adults, had received the, at, la at least one dose of the COVID jab, um, the Daily Mail uh, noted. <clears throat> I'm going to try and find out, because I have my laptop with me, so... Um, it kind of looks like there's been uh, rumors spreading around about Boris, so let me find out um, what I can find out about that real quick. So I guess one of the scandals, just, uh, besides him throwing parties during quarantine, was an attempt to cover up by Johnson, who promoted his former aide, Chris Pincher, to a top legislative post despite sexual misconduct claims against him. He also decided to play stupid and say, I didn't know about the accusations, and later uh, walked that back. So that's interesting. So we got a wishy-washy uh, prime minister, right? So apparently this uh, Chris Pincher guy um, was accused of um, groping conservative counselor Daniel Cook. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Daniel Cook, deputy mayor at Tamworth Council in Staffordshire, where Mr. Pincher is an MP, <clears throat> said he lodged a complaint <clears throat> with the conservative party. So, also, Daniel Cook has said, because I guess this happened twice, um, let's see, Mr. Cook had met Mr. Pitcher, Pincher when um, he had first started politics as a council candidate in Tamworth for 20, 2004 elections, aged about 28. He campaigned with Mr. Pincher um, along, or among others, and Mr. Cook said the parliamentary candidate had taken him under his wing. The counselor also told um, <clears throat> the news Pincher had been drunk on both occasions when he had been assaulted. Listen, this is what I believe. When you're drunk, your true feelings come out because there's no way of hiding it. So this boy, Mr. Pincher, really likes to pinch booties. <laughs> Listen, I know this is this is these are serious allegations, but oh my god, the things that people do. I don't know why, but it's just bad. So, um, Mr. Cook said in 2005 while his wife had been at work, Mr. Pincher had come to his house with a council colleague and cupped his hand around my genitals. 
and then asked if he had any good porn. Okay, he just grabs you by the balls and says, Think you got any good porn? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I find that funny, but it's it's not funny. Men get assaulted too. He ends up doing it a second time. Comes around the, his home, Daniel Cook's home, cupped him again and grabbed him from behind, stinking drunk. Okay, bro. That's that's not okay. Uh, Cook said that he reacted time by laughing it off and pushing him away, but the second time had thrown him against a fridge and physically thrown him out of the house, uh, watching him stagger um, down his drive. Okay, so he did defend himself, which is good. Um, he said he felt angry about what had happened and had come forward after other allegations had been made. Mr. Cook added, um, if he had spoken out at the time, the matter could have been dealt with sooner. The thing is, is that when people are assaulted, men and women, they just, especially with men, I feel like they feel like this great shame upon their shoulders. Like, even if they're the victim, they feel like they did something wrong. And especially if a man is straight <clears throat> and has been assaulted uh, with homosexual means, because a man don't grope another man without wanting something happening all right um i don't i don't think men would ever do that as a joke um <clears throat> at least not the men that i'm around and eh, it's just mm, not okay it's not okay but i feel like a lot of men mentally they will never talk about that one in six men never talk about uh their rape or their molestation or their sexual assault by other men because there's this great shame upon their shoulders. Like, what if people think that I'm gay? What if people think that I'm homosexual? What if people think that, you know, I wanted it and stuff like that. And um, that's what I feel like a lot of men ultimately think uh, when they do come out and talk about this. Um, because they don't want to be seen in a certain way. And... Um, <clears throat> I just feel like there's more shame for a man to be victimized by another man than anything because it, it's just hard because a man is supposed to be strong and when they find themselves in that situation it it really weakens them it hurts them it, it hurts them it hurts their soul really I, anybody who's been victimized like this it hurts their soul and they don't want anyone to know so that's one of the main reasons why people don't come forward after they've been sexually assaulted is because they feel this great shame upon their shoulders like they did something wrong when in reality the the suspect or the person who did that to them of course was the one that did you know the wrong so besides like the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown party things um I guess uh, one of them was a luxury renovation of his official residence and the appointment of, you know, the minister who decided to cup somebody's balls. But, <clears throat> I don't understand the luxury renovation of his official residence. Does that just mean that he's been using money from the treasury in order to 
make up his home. I feel like a prime minister is really filthy rich. And he can do what he wants with that money. I don't know. Um, I could be wrong about that. Like I said, I don't know British uh, politics. So apparently the prime minister only gets like 30,000 pounds or 41,000 um, dollars a year. Let me go back and check. Yeah, in money a year. But apparently the renovations upon his uh, flat were about 200,000 pounds or $280,000. And so people are speculating that he used the money of his donors in order to pay for the renovations on his home. So uh, that is pretty crooked. That's pretty crooked. And I'm sure there's more, but we're going to go on to the next story. <clears throat> Okay, <clears throat> this one is strange. Netflix cheer star Jerry Harris sentenced 12 years for child pornography and other sexual misconduct charges. <clears throat> so, this isn't necessarily politics, but you know, um, we're just gonna go with it. Most of the time, I play it by ear with this epi- like this series of episodes. Um, Former cheer star Jerry Harris, who gained notoriety um, on the Netflix reality show, was sentenced to 12 years in prison for coercing teenage boys to send sexual photos and videos of themselves soliciting sex from minors. Okay. Guess that's another pedophile episode. But I'll give you the brief bitch for now. District Judge Manish Shah uh, handed down the sentencing, which including included giving Harris 22, uh, eight years of court supervised release following the prison sentence. Shah told him that the punishment was an expression of the seriousness of your crimes, tempered with some hope with some hope that all is not lost for you. Uh, or for your victims, and that in the future, some healing can occur. Oh wow, she did you a favor, bro. I mean, yeah, 12 years is is pretty solid. I mean, you, you're missing a big chunk of your life, which I actually condone. Pedophiles should, should be in jail for that long, and even longer. I'm tired of all of these celebrity pedophiles getting off with like 16 months or 6 months or even 2 months of jail time. Dude, she slammed you with 12 years and supervised, um, what was it? What did she say? Supervised release. That's awesome. Anyway. Harris pleaded guilty earlier this year to one count of receiving child pornography, and one count of traveling with the intention to engage in illegal sex conduct. At the sentencing, Harris um, apologized to his victims and said that he is not an evil person. I am deeply sorry for the trauma uh, my abuse has caused you. I pray deep down that your suffering comes to an end 
Um, the cheer alum said, I am not an evil person. I am still learning who I am and what my purpose is. Um, <clears throat> Listen, I don't know if this man has trauma in his life to where he was probably sexually abused by some male. I, you're trying to find who you are, trying to figure out what your purpose is, learning who you are. You should already know that pedophilia is a wrong thing to do. That's the problem. How many times in society have we heard pedophilia is wrong? You know what? Never mind. We got, we got transgender professors. Okay. Toxic person in the LGBTQ. Okay. Who says that pedophile is a stigmatizing word. It's a triggering word. It's a bad word towards people who are attracted to minors. Like, listen, being attracted to a minor and soliciting uh, pictures and wanting to have sex and having sex with a minor is abusive. Bottom line, point blank, period. All right. I don't know how many times I have to say that, but there it is. Harris was arrested in September 2020 for soliciting videos of images from a 14-year-old from 14-year-old brothers. Please tell me that it wasn't his brother. <clears throat> okay. The indictment said that Harris also admitted to requesting images on Snapchat from 10 to 15 boys um, he knew were minors. Yeah, Snapchat is a hub for pedophiles just because those pictures can be screenshotted and then those messages disappear. Um, federal prosecutors said Harris admitted to repeatedly asking a minor teen for pornographic videos and images between December 2018 and March 2020 per THR. Um, <clears throat> multiple incidents... Uh, occurred across the country in Illinois, Florida, and Texas. Yo, you knew what you were doing. I'm sorry. You keep hopping from state to state thinking that they can't catch you. You knew what the heck you were doing. It's great that you apologized, and maybe, you know, no, no, you were. That was an evil thing to do. You're an evil person. That's just me. That's just me saying that. Um, I really do hope that he does recover from this because I do believe that pedophilia is a mental illness. It is something that, you know, is inflicted on by trauma. So I hope he does get better from this because the judge gave him hope by giving him supervised release after 12 years of prison. That's crazy. I've never heard a judge say that. And that's actually pretty awesome. So hopefully he does learn from his lesson. But from his actions, though, hopping from state to state, soliciting pictures from these kids, I don't know. I'm not going to be that person and say that there is no hope for him because I believe that as long as you have a pulse, there is hope for you. But I don't know, bro. That's a pretty, pretty fine line, a pretty deep one. Um, 
prior to the conviction, Harris has Harris was one of the most popular characters um, on Cheer, thanks to his encouraging, upbeat attitude and the support of his fellow cheerleaders uh, during practices and competitions. The uh, docu series followed the Navarro College cheer team um, from Cor Corisana, Texas. Um, as they competed in a national, on a national level, fans were enamored by Harris's charm. Um, that he was, that he was tapped into an interview, uh, celebrities on the red carpet, um, at the Academy Awards, the Ellen DeGeneres show before the sexual misconduct charges were filed. Um, season two of Cheer, um, Continued without Harris's involvement because of the uh, pending trial, Decider reported that um, documentary makers reached out to Harris to set up an interview while he was in prison awaiting sentencing, according to the Daily Wire, but he turned them down. That's crazy. Okay, okay. Man steals cart full of Red Bull and Tide from Kroger after threatening manager with a gun. Can you imagine the conversation they had before he pulled out the gun? (laughs) Jesus. Of course it would be in Ohio. Of course it would be in my home state. Goodness. Columbus, Ohio. Columbus police are looking for a man they say committed an aggravated robbery at a Kroger in the northwest side, taking a cart full of Red Bull and Tide. Why? What is the... I really want to know what was going through that man's head. Like, I need a, a big pack of Red Bull and some Tide Pods. What are you going to do? Make your own brand new internet challenge? Wash down a Tide Pod with a can of Red Bull. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, according to CPD, <laughs> the man went to a Kroger in Georgesville Square Drive on July 2nd at 2.40 p.m. and filled a shopping cart full of Red Bull energy drinks and Tide laundry detergent. Wow. As he tried to push the cart out of the store, the manager spotted him and asked for his receipt. Um, He ignored the question and walked into the parking lot looking for his ride per police. Jesus. So he had accomplices. This man had accomplices for Tide Pods and Red Bull. The suspect left the cart unattended while the lot uh, and a manager of the Kroger tried to get it back shortly after the man pulled out a semi-automatic handgun and told the manager not to be stupid, per CPD. Um, surveillance image of a man in of a man Columbus police say stole the cart from a Red Bull 
and tied from a Kroger on July 2nd, 2022 after threatening the manager with a gun. So yeah, he looks like he's in a hurry. <laughs> the manager backed off and police say that the suspect then left the lot in a white Jeep SUV. Anyone with information uh, is asked to contact the Columbus Police Robbery Squad 614-645-4665. Good God. That's interesting. I think it's time for a break. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I searched for weird news and my goodness, did Google not disappoint? <laughs> um, when a fire erupted on June 26th at the Church of St. Basil in Great Paraglovo, Russia, parishioners assumed it was faulty wiring and had sparked a blaze. Oddity Central reported. Um, damage to the outside was considerable, and some thought it was a divine message that they should build a bigger, more beautiful church. Okay. As it turns out, however, neither of the explanations was valid. Instead, a 36-year-old local man who was tired of his wife donating all their money to the church allegedly splashed the walls of the church with gasoline and checking to make sure no one was inside, lit the match. He worked 24-7. They had four children, and his wife works at the church. Um, everything he earned, she brought to Temple, a Russian newspaper reported. Because of this, they had a conflict. The man admitted his guilt was um, allowed to await sentencing at home. <laughs> well, that's one way to quit, you know, giving time. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of churches, police in Nigeria recently released 77 people, including young children, from the basement of a church where they had been waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ for several months. Good God. Um, on the raid on the whole Bible Believers Church um, in the Valentino area of Ondo Town uh, came after a local mother approached police about the disappearance of her kids and told them that she suspected that they had gone to the church. Um, okay. When they entered the place of worship, policemen found 77 people being kept in the basement by the pastor and his deputy, who had told them that the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, authorities claimed that the church encouraged people to stay behind 
and wait for the rapture, and some of them are believed to have lived in the church for several months. Wow. Is that the whole article? Let me see. Nope. This disturbing story began when the assistant pastor of Whole Bible Believers Church um, started telling parishioners that the Lord had told him Jesus' second coming would take place on April of 2022. We're still here. Just saying. According to investigators, uh, some of the 26 children, um, some as young as 8 years old, 8 teenagers, teenagers, and 43 adults have been um, living inside the church, um, awaiting the big day since August 2021, and the others since January 2022. Good God. Um, <clears throat> when the second coming of Christ didn't occur in April, as prophesied, the leaders of the church simply changed the dates. That's what happens when you don't want to be wrong about things, right? You just change the dates. Oh, well, Jesus changed his mind. He's he's coming in June. But, alright. Um, the leaders of the church simply changed the dates, claiming that the rapture had been postponed until September 2022. Um, and instead calling them um, out as frauds, people stayed in and new ones joined them. What the heck? Preliminary investigation revealed that the pastor, um, John, a uh, pastor Josiah Peter Asumosa, Asumosa, pastor Josiah Peter Asumosa, an assistant pastor in the church, was. Uh, the one who told the members of the rapture and that it will take place in April, but later said that it has been changed to September 2022 and told the young members to obey only their parents in the Lord. Um, Funa, Fun Milieo Odu, Odun Lami, a police press officer told journalists. All right. The leaders of the Bible Believers Church um, have been detained and investigators have yet to find proof of any of the people found in the basement of the religious establishment has been kept there against their will. Evidence shows that people just believed the their religious leaders and some of the kids wanted to be there to witness the second coming of Jesus. Okay. Now... Here's something that I kind of want to talk about. In America, you know, the, the faith of Jesus Christ is very, very, I don't want to say dull, but it, it's not new for you to come across somebody that believes in Jesus Christ or has a, a basic belief in Jesus Christ um, and be unenthusiastic about it. When it comes to people in different countries, though, Especially when they hear the word of God for the first time and they never heard the word Jesus or never heard the name of Jesus. It gets people excited and it gets people wanting to believe in the miracles of Jesus Christ, which is fine. You can believe in the miracles of Jesus 
because they are real. But I feel like new believers, especially in different foreign countries, can be susceptible to being fooled because of pastors like this, because their faith is so new. And they believe in these pastors or in these elders that are supposed to lead them on the right path and everything. And this is why I just don't, even, even in Africa, even in Nigeria, people are having problems with pastors and churches. And, and I'm sure the, the pastors thought that this was actually going to happen. But the thing is, is that it says no one knows the day and the time of the coming of Christ. Not even, what is it? Not even Jesus knows. Um, or is it the Father? See, now I gotta find out. I think it says not even God knows. No. I'm not an expert at the Bible, okay? I was right the first time. It says, but about the day... Or the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So only the Father knows uh, when the coming of Christ will be. So everybody making up these crazy dates, you're not special. I'm sorry. When it comes to pastors and when it comes to self-proclaimed prophets saying that this is the doomsday, this is the apocalypse, this is the rapture, you know nothing, I'm sorry. I know you think you are probably doing good, but the thing is, is that the Bible states clearly that no one knows the day or the time, only the Father. But anyway, they hold services all around the clock and people rarely sleep. And they held their vigils, a woman who lives nearby said. It was until Tuesday when a woman came saying that she did not release her, her two children. That's crazy. All right. <clears throat> okay. Next up is world news, and we're going to do Iceland because I'm determined for that country to start listening to me. You shall listen, Iceland. They probably have better things to do, like going to the Blue Lagoon and drinking their very, very healthy water. <laughs> and hiking. They don't have time to, to listen to silly old me. But I'm gonna try. Okay, I like uh, lists, like the top 10 things to do and stuff. But this is eight free things to do in Reykjavik, Iceland, if you ever want to go. And this is something that, you know, me and Terrence can do whenever we decide to go. But one of the best things about traveling to Iceland is that there are plenty of things to do in Reykjavik, which are totally free. This means that you'll be able to check out some amazing sights and attractions in the city that um, has to offer without having to pay anything at all. There are eight free things to do in Reykjavik, Iceland, so if you're planning a trip there anytime soon, you can make sure that you're making the most of your time without having to empty your wallet first. 
So, let's see. The Old Harbor. Walking around Iceland's capital of the city of Reykjavik is like taking a trip back in time. The narrow streets, which were originally built by hand, and old wooden houses create wonderfully quaint feeling. A wonderfully quaint feeling that draws um, plenty of travelers who want to get away from it all. Start your visit in the colorful shops and cafes in Lagenver Street before continuing down the old harbor where you can relax in, in a nearby cafe or take some great photos of Icelandic horses. Which the Icelandic horses are protected. That You're not allowed to like take them. You're not allowed to buy them. I don't know. Like, you're not allowed to just kind of, like, import or export the Icelandic ponies. Uh, because they're just so rare, but... Uh, explore Langiver Street. Langiver is considered one of Reykjavik's main shopping areas. The street starts near Lang... Lekjatork. We're gonna say that. Lekjatork square and passes a Lemur bus terminal on its way up to oh my god that's a very long Icelandic word Hallgrimskirka oh my god okay you know what even if I did that did say that wrong I'm kind of proud of myself that sounds Icelandic Hallgrimskirka church <laughs> Um, let's see. It's lined with buildings from when it was originally trading a trading center in 1786 and has remained fairly unchanged ever since. Many small shops can be found along there as well, including two to three uh, or two-thirds of the Iceland's record shops. Wait, what? Record shops is then like record stores because that's my... That's my scene. Or are you just saying that, you know, they're recorded shops? Either way, I would love to go and see. <laughs> um, number three, enjoy the view at Perlin. Perlin uh, is a futuristic looking glass dome that offers amazing views bo of both Reykjavik and its surrounding area. Go for a cup of coffee or enjoy a meal at any of its um, restaurants and you'll have one of your best free things to do in Reykjavik. Visit Ienar Johnson Museum. Okay. Ienar Johnson Museum is located in Kapavogar. <laughs> I love this! I'm, I'm trying. And <laughs> houses of many famous sculptors' creations it's free and open to, from ten, from the 10th hour to the 17th hour, Friday, uh, Monday through Friday. 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 Monday through Friday. So swing by on your way from work or during one of your excursions into the city. Keep an eye out for sculptors around the town, too. A few examples are Arnard Johnson's bronze sculpture of mother and child um, outside of Hallgrimskirka Church. <laughs> uh, Helge Thompson's 
cast bronze statue of John at Mount Aegea. Uh, I don't know. And Toomey Stephenson's uh, woman with skirt on Bredholt Road near the swimming pool. Okay. Alright. We have like <laughs> three more to go, I think. Four. Let's, let's keep going. Take a hike at Hologrim Skirka Church Tower. That's cool. Hang on. There are about a hundred steps to climb up Hologrim Skirka, the seventh tallest structure in Iceland. Uh, what's the first? I thought that was. But it's worth the panoramic view of Reykjavik and its highest point. Uh, there is a lift available if you can't manage all those stairs. I know I can't. Uh, for an extra fee, you can also access the observation deck um, that is situated at the top of the lift and offers a 360 degree, degree view over the downtown Reykjavik and its surrounding areas. Number six, walk through Jornin Lake. Walk along Jornin Lake. Okay. Uh, one of the best things to do in Reykjavik is walking along Jornin Lake. It is amazing to stroll along Jornin because it's centrally located. It's also for, it's also easy for travelers staying downtown or at a guest house near the lake. Uh, Thingvalatan, to which Shornan Lake is connected uh, to reach. Okay. Stroll by cafes and shops in Langiver Street while listening to people playing traditional Icelandic music. That actually sounds nice. I like that. So there's a lot of walking in Reykjavik, which I don't mind. I love that. Uh, walking is an excellent way... Walking along the coastline is number seven, but um, excellent way to experience nature without having to invest much in time or money. If you visit Iceland, uh, be sure to leave some time during your trip to walk along the beautiful coastline. Uh, whether you or uh, live, I'm sorry, whether you're, you drive north or south of Reykjavik um, makes no difference from either direction. It's hard not to feel overwhelmed by the stunning views. Yeah, that's one thing that I love about Iceland is that they're, um, the sights and, and the things that, um, like all the attractions are so beautiful and unique. Um, let's see, go to a concert at Harpa Concert Hall. Harpa uh, was designed by Icelandic artists uh, and architect Olifor Eleison and is located on, let me see if I can do this, Oskilo Hill. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fall. Ah! Dang it. 
mm, I'm, I'm starting to hit the wall with the, the pronunciation, as you can tell. But uh, the hall features a concert hall for both classical and contemporary music, as well as exhibitions. If you love music or are just looking for some things to do in Reykjavik um, without breaking your bank account, then make sure you take advantage of the Harpa concert hall. Yeah, that's another thing. Iceland... Spending money in Iceland is very expensive. It's, it's, it's an expensive place because there's a lot of tourism. So we're going to do Norway next. And I finally figured out how to say I love you in Norwegian for all of my Norwegian listeners. Jajelska dai or Jajelskardai, and yeah, I'm proud of myself for that, because I like my pronunciation, hopefully I'm okay <laughs> with the pronunciation, but I love you guys, you guys are dedicated listeners, and I love you so much for that, Norway has gone through a lot lately, I have noticed, um, I had to go through at least three stories uh, that I was able to read because the first two weren't something that I could read because they were subscriber only. Um, I do know that Norway is going through an oil strike right now and um, I'm very very sorry for that and um, I also know that the what is it the Marine Corps the US Marine Corps is um, deploying into Norway in order to help with, um, what are they called? The, the vehicles and stuff like that. They, they're over there to service Norway in, uh, in order to kind of like keep up the treaty of the NATO thing. So, you know, the one thing I wanted to kind of talk about since, um, this is something that I have never actually heard of in Norway because I know Norway is one of the most happiest countries um, in the world. I know it's topped the list at least once, but um, Norway mass shooting leaves two dead, several injured prior LGBTQ pride parade. Um, two men in their 50s and 60s were killed. Ten people were treated for serious injuries, and 11 others suffered minor injuries, police said. A gunman opened fire on the Norwegian capital of Oslo's nightlife uh, district early Saturday morning, killing two people, injuring 21 others on the uh, day the city was to celebrate its annual LGBTQ pride parade. A 42-year-old Norwegian citizen of Iranian origin has uh, was arrested in connection to the shooting, which targeted multiple nightclubs, investigators said in a news conference. Um, the alleged suspect is believed to be radicalized Islamist with a history of mental illness who had been known to, uh, known to intelligence services since uh, 2015. Um, according to the Norwegian police. Let's see. 
Acting Norwegian Security Service Chief Roger Berg um, called the shootings an extreme Islamist terror attack, adding that the um, suspect had long history of violence and threats. Um, two men, uh, one in their 50s and the other in his 60s, died in the shootings. Ten people were treated with serious injuries, but none of them was believed to be life-threatening um, um, in condition. Um, Eleven others had minor injuries. Berg said that the 42-year-old man was taken into custody uh, shortly after the shooting in, uh, at the London pub, a nightclub, and a bar popular with the city's LGBTQ community and the streets surrounding it. Authorities in the Scandinavian country raised the terror alert to the highest level. Oh my god. Um, its national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, said in a statement that the United States has been in touch with the Norwegian government and offered to provide assistance. Um, the horrific shooting in Norway is, this morning has been felt around the world. The United States strongly condemns this act of terror, Sullivan said. We stand on solidarity or in solidarity for the families and victims in the diverse um, the diverse and strong LGBTQIA plus community of Oslo, um, our close NATO ally uh, Norway, and all who have been um, devastated by the census act. Police attorney Christian Halto said that the suspect uh, was being held on suspicion of murder, attempted murder, and terrorism based on the number of people targeted at um, multiple locations. The suspect's mental health was also under investigation. Our overall assessment is that there are grounds to believe that he wanted to cause grave fear in the population halt was set on Sunday or Saturday. Okay, I've talked about Finland a lot, so we're gonna go to Sweden, so Sweden news today. So along with Norway, Sweden has also been going through a loss. Um, Swedish political festival murder suspect acted alone, prosecutor says. So we're gonna talk about that real quick. Hang on. Stockholm, July 7th. So this happened, what, yesterday? I want to say. Yep, this happened yesterday. Today, a man held on suspicion of killing a woman at the political festival um, today appears to have acted alone and to have targeted and to have targeted her. Okay. The woman was stabbed to death on the island of Gotland at the political festival being held just over two months before the national election. Uh, there is information that he suffers from mental illness and that he, is, he has committed the act while under the influence of drugs, prosecutor Petra, Petra Gottel uh, told a news conf conference. Our view 
is that the deceased woman was the perpetrator's intended target and that it may be due to her public profile and her lengthy involvement in psychiatric psychiatry matters in Sweden, Gottel said. Okay. And that's the whole article? Are you kidding me? Well, I really hope that the family of the woman... I hope that you guys have um, a good amount of time to mourn, because I know that mourning is inevitable when it comes to so when losing someone. So I hope that everyone lets you mourn and grieve properly, and my prayers are with you. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. Bye-bye.